Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I don't know who that guy was preaching, but I like him. I think I'm about supporting his ministry. That was me preaching at winter camp meeting with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown during the lockdown having live meetings. It's been uh, two or or three weeks since that ended. What's the body count from having a service uh, with that many people in it? I I didn't see a lot of people wearing masks. It's time to get preaching. Glad you're here. Lorianne, Penny, great to have you on the app. Jackie, Paisley, Patty, Irene, Christelle, Dean, Maria, if you've not done it yet, please subscribe to our app. They're taking people off of Facebook, YouTube. Periscope's going to shut down March 31st. That's their decision, not mine. Uh, There it is, Revival Today, App Store, Google Play. And then you can do it on your browser, revivaltoday.tv, and then more more outlets to come for, for your smart TV and the rest of it. Well... We are doing a series, How to Dominate in a Wicked Nation, Lessons from the Life of Abraham, and today is part two. I hope you enjoyed part one. It's archived on our app, if you'd like to watch it there. And uh, today, I'm just going to cover one point, and I'm getting this made into a book. Anyone that gives during this broadcast or any of the broadcasts that we do while I'm covering this, I'm going to send you a copy of the book. It's going to be... It's going to be titled, How to Dominate in a Wicked Nation, Lessons from the Life of Abraham, except when when I'm done, I'll know how many lessons there are. So it'll be 18 lessons from the life of Abraham, 20 lessons, something like that. Today might be the most important one of all the ones that I'm going to cover because, what did I do with my notes? Can you get get my uh, paper out of my car? Passenger seat, it should be. Key... I didn't lock it. Today, I'm going to show you something Abraham did that really set him apart, and it's applicable to every person. If you have your Bible, we'll start where we started, and probably we'll start every day. I mentioned it even on that clip. Isaiah chapter 50. Tonight on Check the News, we're doing a huge giveaway show. Just a big thank you to everybody for... Sticking with us. Thanks, Nick. A huge thank you to everybody uh, for sticking with us. So we're going to give away probably $1,000 worth of stuff tonight. 11 o'clock, spend your Friday with us. Isaiah 50, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Sorry, it's Isaiah 51, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who bare thee, who gave birth to you. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. So if you joined us yesterday, I talked about the concept in the Bible that Abraham was one man when God called him, but he became a mighty nation, that part of your lineage and being born again or your birthright, is that you're a nation and one man, or a nation and one woman. Uh, there's a woman that 
is the CEO of a company. The company IPO'd yesterday. It went up 70%. She's a 31-year-old billionaire. And I, no telling how many people she has working for. Let me see how many people it says they're working for. Number of employees, 650. So there's a lady who I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but at 31 has 650 people working for her. I'm sure quite an office complex and the rest of it. A nation and one man. There are individual people who have more wealth and private security than prime ministers of third world nations. So you have the capacity like Abraham. Abraham went into one nation, just himself, and dominated there. You know, if Jesus tarries, we'll be like that at Revival Today. We'll have large property. We'll have private security on the property, especially uh, if Bible prophecy holds true, which I'm guessing it will, that people are going to take a more harsh stance against churches and look to shoot people in churches. We'll have what Abraham had, 318 men who were trained to fight, is what Abraham had. Abraham had the ability to produce bread, fresh bread like this, Bishop Oyadepo on his property has a bakery. I want you to see yourself that way. The Bible says it's the key to deliverance. All who want deliverance, ask someone to pray for you. No. All who want deliverance, consider the rock from which you were cut and the quarry that you were mined. Isaiah 51, 2. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, who gave birth to you. For Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. That's the Bible secret, according to the Bible, that's the Bible secret to deliverance. That you see yourself, I'm not a struggling Nigerian. I'm not a struggling Ghanaian. It's not hard in South Africa. It's not hard uh, for black people. It, we don't speak like that as Christians. We consider we're the seed of Abraham and everything that God promised Abraham belongs to me. I carry that capacity to rule. The Bible says uh, in Romans chapter 5. Let me find it real quick. Turn to Romans 5 with me. For the sin of this, Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now let me look at that in different... What's the translation? Is it Weymouth's translation? Can somebody help me in the comments? Where does it say that they will reign as kings in this life. Romans 5.17. See who finds it first. Reign as kings in this life. They amplified. Romans 5, 17. 
profile. And Weymouth. I'll read them both. Romans 5.17. Thanks, uh, control room. I didn't even know you knew where Romans was. Romans 5.17. For if by the trespass of the one, Adam, death reigned through one, much more surely <laughs> those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in eternal life. Yeah, that doesn't say it, so it must be Weymouth. There it is, in the Weymouth. Romans 5.17, Weymouth translation. For if through the transgression of the one individual, death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty, all the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life. Boy, BibleStudyTools.com should have more pop-up ads. It's the third one I've had to knock down while reading one verse. God's overflow... Uh, let me start over. For if, through the transgression of the one individual, death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty, all the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. I want you to write that in the comments. A regular Amplified says kings. Thanks, Tyra. Write down in the comments, reign as kings in life. Just like death stripped man of his sovereignty. Think how God created Adam. God created Adam as a sovereign king in the earth. The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth I've given to you. This is your garden. Name it what you want. Do what you want. Just don't touch. That one tree is set apart for me. But then death took that. And then when Christ came, all who received that, according to Romans 5.17 in the Amplified and in the Weymouth, all who receive that reign as kings in this life. Never been happier to see anybody. Thanks, Jeff. Just got a new coffee machine. That's life-changing. Just enjoy this real quick. Praise the Lord. I feel like a king now. Reign as kings in life. Now, how does that tie into deliverance? And I'll move off of this because I want to get to this one point. Good thing I'm only doing one today. How can you have an understanding of that and feel like you need prayer? Now, I'm not saying if people want to pray for Father, open doors for Jonathan, bless Jonathan. I'm all for that. But I'm talking about going, I just need prayer. I just need a break. No. Adam was a king. He lost that sovereignty through sin and death. Christ restored it unto man that we may reign as kings in this life. I have dominion. 
I don't need people to circle around me and rub my shoulders and pray to get dominion. I have dominion. Reign is a king in this life. Thank you, Jesus. Luke said, I own a coffee shop. Can I send you coffee? Luke, not only can you send it, I'll drink it on air and show it. And I'll let people know what I think about it live, whether it's total garbage or good. So if you want to roll the dice, go for it. What if you started seeing yourself as a king? One preacher took it as far as to say that that's why Christ is called the King of Kings, capital K of small k's, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's our head. He's the head king, but he made us kings, King of Kings. You know, you, you understand why people hear people like me teach and just say, oh, he, he must be a called. That can't be Christianity. You can't even blame them because it, the way you hear Christians talk down to in most churches, how many of you know we're nothing? He's everything. How many of you know that we're weak and then we have, we don't, we don't, we make mistakes and we fail God every day. Now, if you, if you go in that direction, you're going to be at the altar every week needing prayer because you focus, you've decided to identify as a chump instead of a king. I'm nothing, you know, I miss it every day and I'm sure I displease God a multitude of ways. I'm, no, I'm redeemed. And I've been redeemed, according to Romans 5.17, a king. I'm the seed of Abraham. Abraham was a king. When kings went to war, they asked him for help. He was on their level. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's what one of the points are. Abraham, oh no, we covered that yesterday, so I'm getting behind myself. Abraham saw himself on a level with world leaders. He didn't talk like you hear most Christians talk. I'm just concerned about what Biden's doing. And have you heard about George Soros? And who? No, I, I'm at their level and I have dominion over any evil that they're doing. So I don't talk about a group of they's that are doing, that have the capacity to do something to me. I have something from God to leave a deposit on this earth and affect my generation positively. And when I'm saying I, that's, I know that, and then you need to feel that way because the Bible says so and the Bible's true. Billy Graham was treated like a dignitary. When Billy Graham died, people flew in from all over the world, kings and ministers of nations, and I don't mean preacher ministers, I mean prime ministers, Everybody either came or sent something, just like in a dignitary died. He's the second citizen to have ever been interred in state in the Capitol building. They drove his body down Billy Graham Parkway in North Carolina. The highway is named after him. So don't tell me it's like a theory. It works. The Bible's true. But it only works if you work it. Sam said the first time I heard the scripture preached about years ago was John Osteen. I didn't know he preached on that. That's, that's great. I know I'm on the right track then. Well, look, 
So John Osteen, according to Sam on uh, our app, said that John Osteen preached that. Well, what did that revelation produce for him? He owned the, large, the largest arena in, in uh, Houston, largest church in America, one of the largest churches in the world. That's what it produced. So a lot of what happens in your life is going to be determined by whether you see yourself as a struggling chump trying to serve God or that I've been, the, the chump is dead and I've been redeemed, brought back to life through, through Christ to reign as a king in this life. You should dress like one. I'm not talking about having a Gucci or whatever all plastered all over you like a NASCAR driver to let people know you have an expensive outfit. I'm talking about, like Bishop Oyedepo said, it's not your clothes that make you look poor. It's your care for the clothes that make you look poor. You should carry yourself with class and dignity. Stand up straight. Not use your mouth to put yourself down. See, and it's not arrogant. Well, I'm a king. Dallas, where's my dinner? I'm a king. I don't mean that. I mean, you just see yourself that I'm hooked up with Christ. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm doing the world a favor staying here. For to me, to die is gain and to live is Christ. So I'm here as a king, as an ambassador of heaven, a foreign dignitary from another kingdom to help this place out. I don't need them. They need me. Some people would hear that and think that's arrogance. They can think whatever they want. I don't, I don't have any arrogance in saying that. It's, it's just who I am. Jesus talked like that. Did Jesus talk like that or not? Did Jesus not say to, the, to everyone he was talking to, you are from below, I am from above? They got mad. They wanted to kill him. Because at least with me saying it, I'm telling you, you're in on it too. And if you're not, you can be by being born again. But at the time, nobody could be in on it but Jesus. So hey, just so everybody knows, you're from below, I'm from above. Well, good. The people writing in the comments about who they've heard preach on this too, I know I'm on the right track. Though I've not, I have heard this preached on, but not by the people you're mentioning. I've heard Bishop Oyedepo preach on it. So, how to dominate in a wicked nation. Lessons from the life of Abraham. And today I'm just going to give you one lesson from his life that has six subpoints. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Glad you're with me today. Makes my day. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. You're welcome, Susan. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. Notice he didn't even know where he was headed. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. 
and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot, who was his nephew, right? Am I right on that? Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah. Yeah, there it is. I should have just read further. His nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord. Remember what, I, what I've told you. Everybody God ever made a covenant with, he turned land over to them. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. How to dominate in a wicked nation. Lessons from the life of Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1. What's the first thing Abram had to do? The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country. Leave your relatives and leave your father's family. I want you to write those three things down because that's basically what we're going to deal with for the remainder of our time together. Leave your native country. Leave your relatives and leave your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. How to dominate in a wicked nation? Lessons from the life of Abraham. The only one we'll cover today, Abraham broke from his family to enter into his destiny. To some degree. Now, if, if you have a godly family like mine, then it'll be a smaller degree. If you have a family that doesn't have much regard for God and his word, It'll be a larger degree. But everybody, to some degree, will have to follow their father in the faith, Abraham, to attain what Abraham attained. And everyone, to some degree, will have to break from their family to enter into their destiny, their father's family. Not your wife and kids. His father's family. I'm going to break that into six sub points. And I'm not even going to deal with leave your country. There's many people that are more Hawaiian than they are Christian, they're more black than they are Christian more Spanish than they are Christian. And this may make me enemies. It needs to be said. 
There's a problem if a church is called the Spanish Pentecostal church. There's a problem. Black church. Just like it would be wrong to have a, a white church. You can't identify with this earth and receive what's of heaven. Abraham broke from his family to enter into his destiny. Number one, many will not receive the best of God because their family has no regard or a light regard for God and his blessings. There's a lot of people I'm talking to right now. If you were honest, either A, your mom and dad, if you had them both, don't care much about God. Some don't care at all about God. That's actually easier because then at least you know that you got to go in a different direction. What can be more of a handicap is when your mom and dad are Christians, but they're lukewarm, half-hearted. They have a light regard for, for faith. Oh, that's that faith message. Yeah, Kenneth Hagin, yeah. I, yeah, I remember. I had a friend that went to Raymond. Light regard for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's people that are, that are watching me that your mom and dad have gone to a full gospel church for 30 or 35 years and they've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues. Why? It, it would all be the same reason. They have a light regard for it because the Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they will be filled. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost at six years old because I wanted it. I didn't hear them teach on that at kids camp and say, um, you know, that, I'm sure that's great, but... I don't think I, do I really need that in first grade? You know, I think I'm, right now I'm a kid. I think that's more for adults. Peter was an adult. You actually don't see any kids in the Bible baptizing the Holy Ghost, so I don't even know if it's scriptural for him to give this altar call. Light regard for healing. Some of you, it's been such a huge frustration because you started hearing me teach, and it excited your spirit, and then you shared it with your family, thinking they would share your excitement, and they not only didn't care, they didn't like it. It was like you were telling them how great cancer is. Yeah, I don't know. Light regard for healing. Light regard for prosperity. Never talked you out of drinking or partying, but they tried to talk you out of tithing. And they're Christians. The encouragement is, if you've had to deal with that, the encouragement is Abraham had to deal with it. Because his dad didn't say, oh, let me come with you. That's great. Most people's families, unless you have a demon-possessed family, but if you have a normal family, they want you to do well to a point, 
to their terms. But if you start going past where they've gone, they'll go from supporting you. Back the comments up on the app. Keep going. Uh, there it is. Go back up to the more recent comments. Must have missed it. Keep going. That's all. Uh, how do we honor, how do we do this and honor our mom and dad if they have a late regard? That's a good question. And it's a question I get a lot, which is why I'm stopping to answer it. Maybe we'll take calls at the end, too, if, if you have questions. Because this, this is the kind of message that provokes uh, questions and deep soul searching about where you're at in life and why you're there. Um, you honor your mother and father, but honoring someone is not allowing them to control your life. That's, that has nothing to do with honoring your, your mother and father. So I hear people say that, you know, their, their mom interferes in their marriage or their mother-in-law interferes in their marriage. But how can we draw boundaries and still honor them? That has nothing to, the two things don't have to do with each other. If someone's crossing a line, because Jesus said, for this reason does a man leave his father and mother and cling to one wife. So honoring is not staying under their grip. You know, especially when you're not 15, you're 38. My mom doesn't, you know, we would come to this church, but my mother really wants us to go to her church. You need to grow up. And there's a lot of families like that. The mom dominates the family, especially in the South, in the southern part of the United States. The mom is a bullheaded wench, so to speak. The dad's quiet and whipped. All the sons have to do what the mom said. You don't find that in the Bible. In fact, when God told Abraham... Think of this, when God told Abraham to leave, Abraham never consulted his father or mother. Abraham never consulted his wife. So if Sarah is your root as a godly woman, then you got a problem if you're the type of woman. Uh, well, I know God told Abraham where to depart to the land he'll show us, but I told him as soon as God speaks to me, then we'll go. You're, you're, you're a wicked wench. You're not, you're not godly. You're not of Sarah. You're not of Abraham's lineage. You're an afternoon talk show character. You should be one of the guests on the Jerry Springer show. I told my husband, we'll go there as soon as the Lord speaks to you. The Lord doesn't speak to you. The Lord speaks to the leader, and the man's the head of the home. So why I have anyone who follows me is, is beyond me, but... Alexander said, I grew up in the South, particularly Louisiana, and I've seen that. I'm telling you. It's more prevalent in the South.
Many will, number one, many will not receive the best of God because they're, so you don't have to have a blowout to answer your question. You don't have to have a blowout with your, your, your mother or father or your wife's parents. But you do what the Lord is directing you to do and you don't let other people override it. I mean, think how insane it is to have the Lord speak to you to do something, but then your mom doesn't agree. So you listen to your mom instead of God. Let me find another scripture. This is what Jesus said. You know, Jesus was Middle Eastern. That stuff with the moms and stuff doesn't go on in the Middle East. <laughs> you know, Osama bin Laden, I wanted to bomb the Twin Towers, but my mom said she'd be very angry. They just, they, they go. Let me find the scripture. Matthew 10, 35. I'll read it in the King James because I'm sure they soften it up in new translations. You know, I was talking about leaving your country. You see it in Bible translations. People are so American, they can't translate some stuff Jesus said. I've come to set children against their parents. Uh, let's, let's, certainly he meant something different. No, just translate it. Jesus wasn't an American who had all of his uh, views shaped by the American Psych Psychology Association. What's changed the spirit, the, he that spares the rod of correction hateth his son? We'll, we'll reword it. That's a little strong. Matthew 10, 35. For I am come to set a man against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall they be of his own household. I didn't, sorry to admit this, I didn't know that was a scripture. Probably because I normally read New Living and I'm sure they butchered it. So is that, does that scripture come right in alignment with what we're talking about? Matthew 10.36, you should write it in the comments. A man's foes shall be of his own household. I've come to set a man against his father. This is Jesus speaking. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. They didn't change it. Matthew 10, 35, and 36. If you're going to do what Abraham did, you're going to have to conquer the enemies in your own household. 
That's where people miss it the most, I would say. Because if a homeless guy on the street that was demon-possessed told you, I don't, want, I don't want you going to that church. You're never going to make it. That pastor you listen to is a false prophet. You would just say, oh, that's a demon talking. But if it's your mother, and again, as I mentioned at the beginning, if, you're, if you come from a godly family, it's, it's going to be a much lesser degree. But if you come from a lukewarm family, actually, the, then the second best would be if you come from a totally heathen family. You know, if your mom and dad don't go to church and aren't Christians, they don't have any thoughts about Kenneth Hagin or healing or the baptism of the Holy Ghost or tithing. <laughs> it's like, hey, whatever, that's your thing, knock yourself out. But where you get in the, in the real fight is where Jesus had his fight. Pharisees and Sadducees, people that have just enough religion to make them dangerous and their heart is far from God. Then what happens is it, when you start moving forward in God, you expose their lukewarmness. And most people, rather than change, just get mad at you for doing more. Number one, many will not receive the best of God because their family has no regard or a light regard for God and his blessings. I won't take a show of emoji hands, but how many of you that are watching, if you shared with your family my teaching on land, property, and home ownership as part of your covenant right, would start making comments against land, property, and home ownership. I don't know about I don't think, I think Paul didn't have a house, did he? And then if you side, you know, you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to side with God's word or side with your family that's against God's word. And for me, it, it's an easy decision. For Abraham, it was an easy decision. And you need to make your decision. Why halt ye? between two opinions. Why waver between two opinions? Don't try to toe the line and do, you know, okay, I'll back off of the blessing a little, but then I'm also going to keep some, to keep it at an acceptable level where my family's not that upset or doesn't think I'm that crazy. Abraham, leave your country and leave your father's family. Because I want you to hear this, you're either going to recycle another generation of how far your family's gone. It's like there's a barrier in the spirit realm that your family's never crossed. And you can either stay back behind it too, or you can say, like Abraham, I'm going to break that barrier and I'm going to take new ground. And I hope your decision today is I'm going to break that barrier and I'm going to take new ground. Number one, many will not receive the best of God because their family has no regard or a light regard for God and his blessings. Number two, 
Why did Abraham have to leave his father? Turn to Joshua 24 too. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. Interesting, thought about, interesting fact about Abraham's dad and why God told him to get out of the house. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him to the land of Canaan. Abraham's dad was an idol worshiper. And God said, if you're going to do what I've called you to do, you got to get out of that home that worships idols. Jewish tradition says that Abraham's father, it's not in the Bible, but it's in Jewish tradition, that Abraham's father, Terah, was not only an idol worshiper, he was an idol maker. Abraham's dad was an idol worshiper, number two. Your family didn't stay at the level they're at for no reason. There's things in the home that are tolerated. Alcohol, sexual immorality. If you're watching me overseas, idol worship. False gods. You can't tolerate things God abhors in your home and go to where God has called you to be. You got to break from that in your family. Now, if you're an adult and you're already out of the family, then you can't have that in your house and you can't have your mom and dad from their house still manipulating your decisions. Somebody said advice on your husband worshiping an idol and not knowing it. Listen, I'm not an American preacher. I, I'm, a, I'm a preacher who lives in America. I know that here, because idol worship isn't prevalent, they say, how many of you know an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life? No, an idol is a graven image that people worship. It's a false god. Football can take too predominant of a place in someone's life. That's not an idol. An idol is a specific, I mean, look it up in the Bible. An idol is an idol. It's a graven image that people worship instead of God. It's, it's bad. Nations that worship idols have much stronger prevalence of demon possession when you go there to preach, all that. Thou shalt have before me, God didn't say, now don't have anything before me. He said, you shall not have any graven images before me. So I'm talking about actual idol worship.
Obviously, you can worship something, and it's not an idol. It's on the decline now. COVID's done it. COVID's wrecked a lot of the things in America that people put above God. You know, there's people who put five bucks in the offering and think nothing of spending seven hundred dollars. You know, two two three hundred and fifty dollars, two three hundred and fifty dollars tickets to go to a NFL game, buy the jersey, sing the team song. Football in England, no question. Go to church once a month. Go to a football game, an English football game every Saturday. Stand and sing the whole time. Sing the team song, hands raised. Man was created to worship. And if they don't worship God, they worship something else. Number three. Now, I want to ask you before we move on number two, off of number two. What idols, now, if you're like me, it's none. There were no idols in our home. There were no wicked things kept in our home. My dad's Tiff Shuttlesworth. My mom's Judy Shuttlesworth. They're holy people. No question. I know them. I've known them a long time. I've known them as intimately as you can know two people. They're holy people. They would never tolerate. If there was something bad in our home, my dad would have got a word of knowledge on it and smashed it up. There's a preacher, uh, son that I was friends with. His dad was on a 40-day fast. He took a hatchet and went and chopped up all their DVDs and then chopped up the VCR. VHS tapes and then VCR. But what about you? Now, if you had great parents like mine, then awesome. Are you carrying wickedness that was tolerated in your home? Abraham did not take Terah's idols with him. Leave your country. Leave your father's home. Number three, Abraham's life proved that everyone won't come along for the ride. If you have this idea that you're going to go forward in God and you're going to bring all your friends and cousins and mom and dad and sisters and brothers and they're all going to skip with you down the golden brick road to the wonderful land of Oz, it ain't happening. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, 1. Man, that is good coffee. Jesus left that part of the country and returned. Like, let me ask you this. Here's a good way to know if you've successfully cleared your house out. If your pastor comes over to visit, are there things you'd have to apologize for? If I came over to visit, I've had people do that, have me into their home, and then they, um, that, that's our wine 
cellar. We we almost never drink wine. It's more of just a thing we collect. Why isn't there something you have to do? I never said I never said what's with the wine. Why do you have to start going into a a defense of something you have set up in your home without me? Why did you get convicted? I never even mentioned it. Wasn't gonna mention it. That that piece of art, I know the it shows the women the woman's breast, but that's uh that's actually like a classic painting from Spain. Yeah, okay, never never asked you about it. Yes, I can see you on my site, Susan. And see everybody's comments. Mark six one. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. But it wasn't the right kind of amazed. It was uh, like offended amazed. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles there except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. If Jesus couldn't get his family to honor him, what makes you think you can get your family to honor you? His hometown was where he wasn't received. The more people see you, the more, the, that's why the Bible says to know no man after the flesh. The more people know you personally and like, sit with you and stuff, the less they receive from you, by and large. That's why, you know, you have mighty men of God that have impacted the world, and their, their own son was the most lightly impacted by their ministry of anybody. Their son's a loser. Never received one, one ounce of impartation from the dead. You know, one of the mightiest men of God that ever lived, if you watch his funeral... You should hear the, the kids talk about him. You'd have thought he was a part-time convenience store worker. They didn't say one thing about his message, what he did for the Lord, miracles. Papa always loved sitting in his favorite chair watching football on Saturday. Well, I'm glad you lived with him and that's what you got out of it. Be like walking with Jesus for three and a half years. What, do you, what, what stood out to you about the life of Christ? He loved boats. He loved eating fish. Now that's what you got? That's great. Your family is the last. Hey, Kinsey, great to see you. Your family is the last that will receive you.
So if Jesus couldn't do it, You know, if you'll really read the life of Christ and then God the Father as well in the Old Testament, you'll realize you can do everything right and it not affects them. You know, you can beat yourself up, man, what, what could I have done differently? We have a, a, a lady that used to work for this ministry a long time ago. She worked part-time. I think she was like our third hire. She doesn't go to church. She's like living with a guy. Doesn't go to church. Do you know how many minutes I've spent beating myself up over that? Zero. But if I didn't understand what I was going to tell you now, I went, man, what could I have done differently? And What could Jesus have done? Did Jesus do something wrong and make mistakes that led to Judas being like he was? Did God do something wrong that caused Adam and Eve to turn on him and disobey him? Did God do something wrong that caused Lucifer to take a third of the angels and leave heaven? Did Jesus do something wrong and that's why his family couldn't receive him? People think that if they bring someone close to them, they can change them. But you can't turn a wolf into a sheep. Jesus laid the word out, and people were free to be whatever kind of, whichever one of the four grounds that they were. Yeah, I don't hire anybody in this ministry as like a reclamation project. Jonathan, my son's been on and off of drugs. I just really feel like if he could get around your ministry, uh, it would help him. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe, he, he, maybe he'd get a couple of my staff on drugs or steal a bunch of stuff. So not a roll of the dice I'm willing to make. Jesus was careful who he brought close to him. I'll minister to anybody, but I'm not bringing them in my home. We do a homeless outreach. We met a guy. He's a great guy. He was homeless, so we brought him in to live with our family. Mistake. If the Holy Spirit can't change someone, I don't think I'm going to have a, a, a better effect on them. Sarah said, can you do everything right and still have your kids go down the wrong path? You can do everything right and have anybody go down the wrong path. That's what I'm saying. God lost Adam and Eve. God lost Adam and Eve. They, they turned on him. They disobeyed him. He didn't do anything. What did he do wrong? Should have made the Garden of Eden nicer, kind of cut some corners on it. Jesus' family wouldn't receive him. What did he do wrong? That'll help you not beat yourself up. If someone's not doing right, you don't blame you. They're to blame. People will give an account to God for their life. You are responsible for the outcome of your life. Every man is absolutely responsible for the outcome of his life. God's not responsible. 
The devil's too small to blame. Other people aren't responsible. I will give an account for what I did with this. Nobody else. Every man is absolutely responsible for the outcome of his own life. Not God. Otherwise, you become a God blamer. I mean, you know, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're stupid. Something's wrong with you. It's not God. Yeah, we have some slow, pokey God that, that he, you know, just is really slow. No. The intelligent man examines himself and his actions. Number four. So number three, everyone's not going to come along for the ride. And you'll wear yourself out trying to get people to agree with your decisions. I want you to write this down. 90% of the stress in life is caused... think how to phrase the second part. Is caused by caring about the actions and approval of others. Someone can write that down for me. That will help me. 90% of the stress of life is because you've decided to care about the actions or approval of others. There's people right now, the reason you're not happy is you want your daughter to make a certain decision. She's making a different decision. You don't do that. Or you want your mom's approval about the path you've chosen. If you know it's the right path, if you have God's approval, you can take 90% of the stress of life out by stopping caring about the approval or actions of others. And by caring, caring might not be the right word. Focusing, how's that? By, by not focusing on it. I'm not going to put my happiness in the hands of someone else's emotions. I just wish my mom, you know, if she could see my husband the way I see him, she would like him. Who cares whether she, who, who's she? And man, if you, if you operate like that, you're ripe to be manipulated. There's people watching me. All your mother has to do to manipulate you. I'm not talking to 15-year-olds. I'm talking, I'm talking to men and women. All your mom has to do to manipulate you is make a face. I could tell that she didn't like that. So, And it, that's not what Abraham did. 
Abraham did not subject his decisions to his idol-worshiping father's approval. When he heard the Lord say it, he departed. Didn't run it by his wife, didn't run it by his mom, didn't run it by his dad, didn't run it by his cousins. Move forward. You would, be a, you would have a hard time being more stress-free than me. I'm very, almost like problematically relaxed. And one of the reasons is I, I am divorced from the approval or actions of others affecting my daily happiness. I had a friend of mine call me that relapsed back into heroin. He texted me late, late one night, two-something in the morning. I need help. I said, I'll, I'll uh, have someone call you in the morning and get you set up. I had already offered him a place to live, and he turned it down to go live with his friend, and his friend kicked him out. I need help. Well, your problem is not my emergency. I'm going to sleep. I got a broadcast in the morning. I have a, I have a routine I, that I'm in that after 40 years of testing things out, it's my routine. I'm not going to have a late sleepless night because you rejected my help and now you got kicked out of your other druggy friend's house after turning down what I did. So I'll deal with you in the morning. He said, well, where am I supposed to sleep tonight? I wrote back, any flat surface. I'm not going nuts from 1 a.m. till 4 a.m. That's the devil. That's the devil trying to take my sleep and mess my life up. And I'm not going to be much help to anybody if the devil can send one troubled person my way every night and rob me of my sleep. Jesus dealt with Lazarus when he was good and ready to. Even though people were ticked off that he wasn't helping Lazarus. Remember that. Remember that. They were angry. Jesus healed all these strangers, and now his so-called friend is here dying. He's a day's walk away and won't even come over. Doesn't sound very Christ-like to me. He's supposed to be the Messiah. That's how people are. Jesus never budged. Make right decisions. Not decisions... People's problem is not that they don't know what's right. I have shown you, O oh man, what is good. People's problem is not that they don't know what's right. It's that they know what's right and they let some schmuck and their opinion or their turned up face change. Why do you think, who did God tell in the Bible? Somebody help me out. Who did God tell in the Bible? Was it Jeremiah? Don't fear their faces. Don't look at their faces when you preach. You know, um, Brother Jonathan, I know you like to preach on healing. There's some people in our church, they're not, they, they don't really believe in healing. Yeah, that's why then they need to hear it. You don't preach based on what people like. Otherwise, you become American Christianity. We're not really going to talk about homosexuality anymore or uh, marriage or genders or heaven and hell or Christ being the only way to heaven is kind of offense. You just chuck the whole thing out. Preach the word whether the time's favorable or unfavorable. Number four. So number three, everyone won't come along for the ride, 
even Jesus' family. Number four, write this down in the comments first. I am not superior to Jesus. So if Jesus couldn't make it work, Why would you feel? And Jesus didn't feel bad. Chapter uh, 6 of Mark does not finish out with Jesus crying himself to sleep 30 nights in a row because he got rejected in his hometown. He went to another place and kept teaching the word and went forward. Move forward. Do what Jesus did. If you're rejected by people, let them reject you. Keep moving forward. If Jesus couldn't bring his family along for the ride, and again, I'm not talking about your wife and kids. You should bring them along for the ride. But if he couldn't bring his, his uh, you know, mother, father, sisters, brothers, his friends from his town, his cousins. I mean, his own cousin, John the Baptist, that prophesied that he was the Messiah. By the end, they're saying, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? You know, people are, people are nuts by and large. They, they, they're all over the map. <laughs> Pastor, we want you to know that you have our undying support at this church forever. We love you. You've been such a godsend to our life. Six months later, they're gone. <laughs> Six months later, they have a Facebook group they set up telling why your church is a call. They're nuts. They threw Jesus a party, Palm Sunday, and then the, uh, a couple weeks later, they want the release of a murderer so they can have him killed. <laughs> That's people. If you make your decisions based on what people like, you're going to be in a mental institution. Number four, if you try to take people along for the ride who don't want to come, it will cause problems. It will cause you problems. God told Abram to leave his father's family and to take Sarah and go, but he took one person with him. Who was it? Let's see who gets the answer first in the comments. And by the way, you hear me saying all this stuff? Can you tell I don't have any bitterness in me? It's not, and people turn on you. People, yeah, they do that. You just understand. The Bible says make allowances for other people's faults. It's people you don't hear from for four years, then they come back. They really, you know, whatever. That's people. I'm not saying like, you can't trust people, right? No. It's how they are. All this happened to Jesus from people. He knew people were going to criticize him. He knew people were going to put him to death. And he still poured out his love for them. You do it knowing. So that's why I teach not just with giving, but with everything. Whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You sow your seed to people. I heard... Um, Dr. Mike Murdoch say this, and my, you know, I was taught the same thing in Christianity. He said his mother taught him, if you treat people right, they'll treat you right. That's not true. That's not in the Bible. And it's also not true. <laughs> it's really not true. There's people you can treat them as well as, as you'd like, and they're going to treat you like crap. They treat everybody like crap. There's wives that are beaten by their husbands. It's not because you don't, you know... You're not a good wife or whatever. Your husband has a devil. He has a problem. 
You can't, you know, Jesus couldn't be like super nice to the demoniac of the Gadarenes and that's how you, no, you needed the devil cast out. They need delivered. So if you, if you expect your harvest to come from the person that you've sown the seed to, you're going to get upset at people and be angry a lot. You do it as under the Lord and the Lord repays you. I gave $40,000 to that church in Hawaii. Almost a quarter million has come back in the, in the 21 days since then from unexpected sources. That church may never give me any money. If he never has me to preach again, which I, he probably, I mean, he texted me, I'm not saying, he's, Dr. Morocco's a great guy, but what I'm saying is, I didn't do that and then if he doesn't invite me to preach next year, say, you know, I gave him $40,000 for their church. He didn't even have me preach. Then what'd you give for? Are you a politician greasing the wheels, doing something nice for him so he can do something nice for you? That Jesus said, if you do well, good to only those who can pay you back, you're no different than the heathen. But if you bless those who you know can't pay you back, and from the entirety of, of the teaching of Scripture, you can add to that, who you don't expect them to do. You don't do things for people to expect them to bless you. I've never, ever, we give out financial bonuses to the people that work for us at Revival Today. I've never told, told Patrick, how many of them tithed off of that to our ministry? They can do whatever they want. It's not my money. It's their money as soon as I signed it over. I'm not... I'm, you know, if you've ever had to be around people like that, it's the, it's the worst thing to be around. People do nice, something nice for you, and then they're mad because they had some kind of expectation that you would do something back. Especially for me, I'm not wired that way because I don't do that. We told them that they could use our vacation house, but then they never even like sent us any money for the week we let them. You told them they could use it. That's why, I, really, I don't accept anything from anybody. Hey, we have a house you can use. No, I'm not, because you have some kind of expectation. Or my kid's going to pee on your comforter, and I didn't know, and then you come and find a pee stain. You tell him, you know, I, watching how he acts on Check the News, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it on purpose. That preacher peed on our comforter. I just... Use a hotel, no questions asked, in and out. There's a um, young lady, her name's Aniko. She messaged me on Instagram. I see that your daughter likes horses. If you're ever in Arizona, let me know, and I'll, give her I'll, I'll let her ride my horse and give her lessons. And I, I was, I've never accepted anything from anybody because I just don't like getting in, in you know, because pe people give you something, they want something. So, I got ready to just go into autopilot and tell her, no, thank you very much. You know, I just tell people thank you all the time. Because you're not saying yes or no, you're just saying thank you. And I, felt, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to Arizona soon. Camila would have a good time. I'm going to take her up on it. And I wrote to her, this is the first time I've ever <laughs> done this, but I, I will accept your offer. And I'm, it was the Lord. 
That was one of the best days I've ever had in my life watching my daughter ride that horse. So there are really good people on the earth, you know? And there are people that do things out of just a heart of love, like I do. I've been sending food to people probably every other day. I'm talking some of the best food in the country. Steaks, mostly steaks. I sent a tea set to a pastor's wife from a tea place in Boston that's the best tea I've ever had. I know Boston likes to dump tea in the uh, ocean. I didn't know they were also good at making it. I'm not looking for anything back. I'm sending it to people that I'm actually just really thankful for them. The older I get, the more I realize no one ever, you know, when you're young, it's like, why isn't that guy having me preach? But then like now it's like, no one has to have me preach. Nobody has to do anything for me. Nobody has to send. None of you owe me $1. That's why I send you books to say thank you when you give. I'm not due any money. You don't owe me. So I'm very thankful for people who have been kind to me. And instead of keeping a list of people who have been bad to me, I keep a list in my mind of people who have been really good to me. If you want to take people along for the ride, it will cause you problems. You answered correctly. Lot went with Abraham, and Lot was a problem, a constant problem. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Let me hear the other pastor say it from Georgia. And then the following week, last week, we were talking about Lot, and we were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and we were talking about how Lot chose to go pinch his tits. Excuse me. <laughs> pinch his tits. Pinch his tits is what I said. And you heard nothing else here. This is church, my gosh. So he was pitching his tents close to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so what happened was, when, when he did that, he was getting too close to evil. And what I was challenging you guys to not do was to pick friends that were going to lead you to... Man, stop laughing! All right? Man! Am I red right now? Holy cow! <laughs> Allie... I hope this isn't on videotape. Not I'm, only is it on video, they no completely now. uploaded it everywhere. So, um, what I was saying is <laughs> that <laughs> sometimes God has to be full of justice. <laughs> That's what you're saying? <laughs> you guys doing all right now, actually. Follow him and his church on, on Instagram. It's in Georgia. Doing good. Lot pinched his tents toward Sodom. Revealed his character. He loved Sodom. <laughs> he saw Sodom and Gomorrah. was like, you know what? That's a pretty great place to go take your family to live. Abraham built an altar. Stayed away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was captured. Abraham had to go rescue him at his own expense. 
Lot created problems and was a drain on his blessing. Don't try to force somebody along with you. Number four, if you try to take people along for the ride, it will cause you problems. Number five, turn to Genesis 22.5. Genesis 22.5. He is acting like he's on meth, Pastor Mike. I was thinking the exact same thing. You can also tell he watched a lot of Chris Farley movies back then. It was like if Chris Farley was a pastor. Genesis 22.5. Stay here with the asses, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we'll come right back. But he was not intending to come back with Isaac. Number five, sometimes you have to go alone. Sometimes you have to go alone. Write that down in the comments, write it in your notes. If you're going to do what Abraham did and get what Abraham got, then you're going to have to follow Abraham's path. Sometimes you have to go alone. Write this down. If you walk, you walk with many. If you run, you run with few. If you fly, you fly alone. If you walk, you walk with many. If you run, you run with few. And if you fly, you fly alone. Abraham left the men back with the asses. If you're going to go to where God called you to go, there's going to be people you have to leave back with the asses. Take it both ways. Genesis 22.5. Abraham left the men back with the asses. There'll be people you have to leave back with the asses. Number six, finally. Though sometimes you have to go alone, number six, like Abraham, God will give you the power to be the first to break through and start a new chapter in your family. Joshua starts out in Joshua 24, verse 2, saying, remember, Abraham's dad was an idol worshiper, but I called Abraham out. Then he's calling them to do the same thing. Genesis 24, 14. Genesis 20, er, er, sorry, Joshua 24, 14 and 15. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord alone. 
But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The same boldness Abraham had to break away was still with Joshua, and it's still available to anybody who'll make up their mind that they're going to serve the Lord. Are you going to stay where your family's been? There's people watching me. Nobody in your family's ever been on an airplane. And if you stay allowing their decisions to fence you in, you won't go any further than they've gone. Where God may want to make you the owner of aircraft if you'll go with him. People watching, nobody in your family has ever been out of the, of, of the country they're in. I mean, I think of Kofi, you know. Kofi, Kofi has soared. Now is back in Ghana, setting stuff up to bless his nation. He went out alone. And if you'll follow that path, the Lord will send you back where people will know you went alone with God. Get rid of what you have to get rid of. Stop allowing whoever's opinions dominate your decision-making to keep dominating them. Stop allowing yourself to be manipulated by whoever's manipulating you. Do what's right. Do what the Word says. Do it with your whole heart. And do it with abandon. Is it with abandon or without abandon? Whichever way is the right way to say it, do it that way. Anything the Lord spoke to you about while I was teaching this, make the decision today. How many of you, by a show of emoji hand in the comments, had something the Lord spoke to you that's either a major decision that you, that you knew, you've already known you need to do it, something was holding you back, and now you're going to do it, or just a small area in life that you need to tweak, and now, now you know you need to tweak it. Get rid of a lot. As you do that, it's going to produce an immeasurable harvest for you and your family. No. Somebody said, what if it causes a divorce? That, that's not possible based on what I taught. I never taught, and first of all, I mentioned like seven times, this is not your wife or your husband or your kids. This is outside family. Once you got married, you entered into a covenant till death do us part. I don't know how people would just hear what they want to hear. I specifically mentioned this does not apply where, you, where I tell Adonis, Adonis, there's a place God has me going in the ministry that there's not room for you and your unbelief. So you and Camila, 
I'll see you in heaven. No, I'll, I'll be in hell. A man who abandons his family is worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. So don't be stupid. I do everything in my power in our ministry to run off stupid people. Some people that are in the ministry, everybody that follows their ministry, they're like weird, and they can't function in, 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 in life. So I don't, I don't, you can go to those ministries, you'll enjoy them more, that spiritualize not having a job. You know, I quit my job to spend more time with the Lord. No, you're a loser. And even if you did quit your job to spend more time with the Lord, you'd find out he wouldn't be in the room because he doesn't like spending time with lazy losers. It's in the Bible, actually, just in different words. Abraham was a hard worker. We'll get to that another day. I want anybody that follows this ministry, when their pastor finds out they follow my ministry, they say, ah, that makes sense. They've been a major blessing to our church. Not, oh, that makes sense. We've got all these people following Jonathan and coming to our church. Now this place is a freaking zoo <laughs> filled with unemployed uh, bums. Weird people are always easily offended. So that's one way I've always been able to run them off easy. Scroll down on the app. Keep going. What if you know God is telling you, but your wife will not go and thinks the opposite? You bring her into alignment. You're the leader of the home. Be the leader of the home. Let me just tell you this. I'll answer the question this way. You'll never, can you picture me one day coming on this broadcast and saying, now listen, I felt to do this, but Adolis and Camila don't agree. So we won't, you would never hear it happen. And I'll ne because you lead, you lead. You don't try to lead. Something's wrong if your wife won't follow you naturally. So figure out what it is and correct it. And I'll tell you this, the problem's not on her end. I guarantee you, where's, my, where's Mike Childs? Do you think Bill Parcells ever said, how can I get the New York Giants to listen to what I'm saying? I know I have a good game plan, but I can't get them to buy in. No, <laughs> it ain't happening. Bill Belichick, not happening. You be a man and a leader. <laughs> be a man. Maybe, maybe I need to make that a lesson from the life of Abraham. I'm writing it down. Abraham was a man. Was a man. Let me put it in my notes so we do a whole day on it. Hey, get since we can't play the video without the broadcast getting taken off, get me the audio 
of the singer in Godfather 1 whining to the Godfather that they're not giving him the part in the movie and he doesn't know what to do. And he says, you can just put in a Godfather, you can start by being a man. But I don't want just him saying you can start by being a man. I want the guy whining about how nothing's working out for him first. And his advice is he slaps him in the face and says, you, you can start by being a man. That's good advice. That's godly advice. It's like the guy when I was preaching in Plattsburgh, New York. My son um, has been yelling at my wife, and he's even hit her sometimes. What should I do? I'm thinking his son's like 21, you know, going to talk to him about getting the sheriff involved. I said, how old's your son? Oh, this is him. He was five. You know, I hit my mom when I was four. It happened one time. And I actually can more clearly recall what happened to me after I did that than I can what I had for dinner last night. Never took a swing at her again. Can I tell you something? You say, well, my wife's very headstrong. Let me ask you a question. How do you think Adalis was when we got together, judging from how you've seen her on video? Do you think she was like a real weak, timid person? Or do you think she was a wild horse? So... If you think I'm able to lead my, my wife in my direction because she's just some passive <laughs> loser that'll do whatever anybody says, you've obviously never seen her speak. I, don't, I haven't met... Yeah. Maybe Adonica Howard Brown is stronger because, I mean, to what drive to Pastor Rodney's meetings and carry the medical equipment for Kelly. She, you know, she's a strong lady. So maybe her, but then, other than that, I don't know. I don't know if, in all my travels, if I've met a stronger lady than my wife. I mean, that—that's what leaders do. You know, an NFL football coach, a Division One football coach. You have all these guys on the team that were, have all, have been made over their whole life. They're the greatest. You're the greatest, and they have to get them. I don't care what you think we should do. What was I waiting for? Oh, you have it or no? Have you found it? All right, good. This is worth waiting for. This clip will be very edifying. This is how to dominate in a wicked nation, lessons from the life of Abraham. When this is all done, I'm making it into a book. I will send the book to anyone who gives an offering of any size today to stand with us as we preach the gospel. That's why I like having Adalis on here to teach, is it she role models for women how you can be strong, and she's still, she's not a, a problem to me. She's a blessing to me. You still function as a wife and mother. It's not you just being 
some ghetto afternoon television guest. She's against the gifts of the Spirit and won't go to church when I take the kids. Well, I'd have to hear her side of the story. Since the Bible specifically says in Proverbs, only a fool decides a matter without hearing both sides of the story. Everybody's wife or husband's a horrible person when you only hear about it from them. Then you get them together in marriage counseling. And it's like, hey, actually, she's, she's all right. You're nuts. So I'm not saying that's the case here, but I would want to hear her side of the story. Here's the ways you can give. If you give a thousand or more, I'll sign it first edition copy as a way of saying extra thank you. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT give in the United States. Revivaltoday.com slash PayPal if you're international. If that's confusing, just go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. All the ways to give are housed right there. RevivalToday.com, Give Now. You can mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. And then don't forget to claim your offer at RevivalToday.com. Claim your offer. That ensures you get it. You can, if you like dealing with a human being, you can also... Uh, Call 412-446-2332. Thank you for your giving. Marianne, who I like a lot, said we left Canada to go to River Bible University left everything behind after God brought us back to Canada for Matthew to lead all the First Nations of Canada. God is good. Then he took us back to the Cree Nation, and this is where we are now. What, see, that's, that's how it goes. If you do what Abraham did, you get what Abraham got. Thank you, Sue. $500. God bless you. If you do 500 or more, we'll send you a Revival Today Covenant Partner Bible, along with the other stuff I said. Okay. This is a, a character that was based on Frank Sinatra whining to the Godfather that they won't give him a movie part that would really help his career, and he doesn't know what to do. And then you're going to hear the Godfather's advice, which it, he says, I don't know what to do. And he slaps him in the face and says, you can start by being a man. That's what you can do. And then starts mocking him, crying. I don't know what I'm going to do. Roll it. I don't know what to do. My voice is, is weak. It's weak. Anyway, uh, if I had this part in the picture, you know, it puts me right back up on top again. But this, uh, this man out there, he won't give it to me. The head of the studio. What's his name? Uh, Waltz. Waltz. He, he won't give it to me. And uh, he says, there's no chance. 
No chance. A month ago, he bought the movie rights to this book, a bestseller. And the main character is a guy just like me. Why, uh, you know, I wouldn't even have to act. Just be myself. But, uh, oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You can act like a man! What's the matter with you? Is this how you turn down a Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What is that nonsense? Look at You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. I'm telling you, it's loaded with spiritual gold. All right, thanks. You look terrible. Can you imagine doing um, church counseling like that? Man comes in. You reach across the desk. Whack! You can start by being a man. That's what you can do. Then he says, is that what happened to you? You moved out to Hollywood and now you cry like a woman? <laughs> God bless the 70s. We're going to try to bring it back here on level today. Hope that blessed you. <laughs> blessed me. Love you. Hope today blessed you. And I'll see you tonight on Check the News for a giveaway extravaganza. Oh, one last thing. You are ordered to come hear me at uh, Bridgewater, New Jersey. Marked Faith Fellowship. 700 Commons Way, Bridgewater, New Jersey. One day only, 10 a.m., and 5.30 p.m. Sean said, I've never seen the Godfather movies. You should be ashamed of yourself. As soon as I'm done broadcasting, you should watch number one and then watch number two directly after it. Cancel whatever plans you have for the day. And take notes. Get a notepad and pen and take notes. It'll teach you how life works. It'll teach you a lot of good lessons, like a man that doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Come to Orange County, California. All right, Trish, I'll be there in five hours. I'll just stand in the middle of Orange County yelling, Trish, at the top of my lungs, and then you come find me. I'll be wearing a gold sweater with a blue collar underneath. Love you guys. Have a great day. Kenny, Pastor Mike, everybody. See you tonight. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.